Good morning. Harvest. How many people know his presence is in this place? Even right now as we just sit here in his presence, I just want us to to have a time in his presence this morning. Just to sit and enjoy the presence of the Lord this morning. I want to start off by reading just a passage from Isaiah 43, 6 and 7. It says this, I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created from my glory, whom I formed and made. Not an ambiguous piece of scripture at all. There's a lot of folks here this morning, some I know well, some not so well, some not at all. But there's three things, at least three things that I know about each and every one of us this morning. Number one, you were made by God. Number two, you were expressly created for His glory. That means you were explicitly, clearly, directly, plainly, distinctly, unambiguously, unequivocally, absolutely, specifically, categorically, pointedly, emphatically created for his glory. And I use all those adjectives because I just wanted to be absolutely clear that you understand that you were created for his glory. And that number three, you don't need another sermon. You don't need just to come in here and just hear some more words. That's not what we're here for this morning. But what I do believe that all of us here need today is an awakening of spirit to such a degree that we recognize and then set our lives on a path of knowing him. Here's my first and only point this morning. You can't worship what you don't know, and you will worship what you do know. All right? You can't worship what you don't know, but for sure you will worship what you do know. David said in Psalms 34:3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And usually when you see that little word, oh, it doesn't mean just oh, it means oh. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. But can we make God bigger? I hope everyone says no. We can't make God bigger, right? But just like a magnifying glass, if you use a magnifying glass, you put it up to an object, the object doesn't get bigger, it's just our view of the object gets bigger. And because of that, you can, you can see it more clearly, you can understand it better, you can appreciate it more for what it truly is. You become more aware of its attributes, you can describe it better, and what you can describe, you can praise. You see, we must magnify the Lord because in our fallen condition, 
we always have this tendency to want to make him small. We always want to make him small and conform him to our image of him. That's why we must magnify the Lord. The book of Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, judgment, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Paraphrased, boast that you have enough sense to know that you need to know me. That you have the sense to know that you need to know me, for I am the Lord and I delight in what? I delight in those who recognize this simple truth that you need to know me, declares the Lord. If glorifying God doesn't flow freely from your life at all times, regardless of what time of life you happen to be in, if you don't have a clear understanding that the reason that you even have breath is to glorify God, then my prayer for you is that the Spirit of God would speak so clearly to you this morning that your only response would be a renewed desire to know Him. There are many things in this life that you know just fine. And that's because you can describe it just fine. And what you can describe, you can praise. However, if you can't rightly describe something, then how can you praise it? How can you, you don't know it. And if you don't know something, if you can't describe something, then how can you worship it? That's why the book of Psalms, when you read it, a good portion of the Psalms is simply a litany of the attributes of God. God is big, God is powerful, He's magnificent, He's omnipresent. It's just a litany of the attributes of God as the psalmist reflects on who he is as so as not to forget. The book of Psalms 95.5 says this, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Where do you put a footstool? It's not rocket science. Where do you put a footstool? at the feet, right? Worship happens at the feet of Jesus. Psalm 104 says this, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with praise. Praise happens in the outer court. Worship happens in the inner court, right? Worship happens up close and personal. Worship happens at the feet of Jesus. That's why we see in the Bible several times people coming, falling at the feet of Jesus and worshiping Him. 
So please be aware, church, that God does not want you to stay out in the outer court. He does not want you to remain out in the outer court. He wants you in the inner court. The outer court, the inner court, these are references to the temple. I'm not going there, but that's the reference. He wants you in the inner court. And his bid to us, his call to us is always the same. Come closer. Come closer. Why are you staying out there in the outer court when I'm waiting for you in here? Come closer to me where I am. Come to where I am. Don't stay afar off. Come close to me so we can fellowship and so that we can talk. God invites you to know him intimately. He wants to know each and every one of us intimately. We are his children, his prized possession. He wants to know us. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Philippians 3.10 Paul says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings. Paul is saying, I don't care how I know you, Lord. All I know is that I want to know you. Whether it's through power and through glory, or whether it's through sufferings, doesn't matter to me. All I care about is that I know you. I want to know you, Lord. You can't worship beyond what you know about God. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, you Samaritans, you worship what you don't know. And he said to her, but we Jews, we worship what we know. You can't worship God beyond what you know about him. The result of not knowing God is that we take the means and we make it the end. And God's struggle with man from time began is that we always want to take the means and make it the end. And that is a formula for an idol. We talk about idols quite a bit around here. And if you're struggling with an idol somewhere in your life, then I would petition that perhaps you take a different approach. How about instead of just stop trying to stop doing that thing that you know you ought not to do, and try start doing the things that you know you ought to do. Press into God. Come closer to God. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. And the closer you get to him, the more you want to please him. The closer you get to your Lord, the more you want to just sit with him. And just like a child doesn't want to disobey or, you know, have their parents just feel upset with them. 
Do you ever get the sense that you just don't want to disappoint your Father in heaven? God, I don't want to disappoint you. I want, I want you to look on me with favor because we have that kind of relationship. An old hymn of the church says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sometimes we take the things that God gives us, good things, and we end up worshiping the thing instead of worshiping God. Men, I want to speak to you for a moment. We can take our jobs, and I'm including myself in this. We can take our jobs, good things. It's a, it's a good thing. God gives us the ability to work and to get well so we can take care of our families. But it's so simple. If we're not careful, we can end up worshiping the job instead of worshiping God. I'm relatively confident right now that if I were to describe some kind of tool. I mean, around here, we know one thing pretty clear, that um, Matt knows nothing about construction. And I would contend that I know even less than Matt. But Matt knows Jack about construction. But I bet you if I started to talk about some kind of really cool tool, or I, was, I was kind of thinking, make something up here, you know? Some kind of laser hammer tool that you load up like a shotgun. And you put these, you put the, the nails in this little compartment. You point it at the first place where you want the nail to start. You just touch a little button. You point it down to a, a second spot. You touch a button. And then you just hit a switch. And it goes... Perfectly set nails. Poof! Right in a perfect straight line. I bet if I were to say that you could have one of those after the service, I can see some of y'all, some of y'all men are drooling right now. You're, I can see you just doing, I bet we could have an Oprah moment in here. You know when Oprah says, everybody's going home with a new car. And then the camera goes across the audience and people are going crazy. Looks like people are having aneurysms, right? Looks like somebody's head is just gonna pop off over a car. <laughs> but if I start to talk about Jesus, then what? If I start to talk about your Lord, your Abba Father, your Savior, your Redeemer, then what? Here's the thing, gentlemen. Your job you know. Your role, you know. Your skill, you know. Your abilities, you know. Your tools, you know. Your Jesus, do you know? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you know him a little or maybe you don't know him at all. His call to all of us here this morning is the same. Do you know me? I want to know you.
Don't you want your desire for the Lord, for your King, to be more than some tool? Don't you? You have a desire and a passion for your job because it's what you know. You're familiar with it. It's what you do. You know it well. God wants you to have a desire for Him. Wants you to know Him. Your job is simply a means to an end. Anything more than that, and it can very easily become an idol. Straight up, there's no shortcut. You have to know him. You have to spend time with him. You have to pray. You have to read your word. You have to spend time worshiping the Lord outside of the 20 minutes that you do here on a Sunday. You have to use your life and your work to bring God glory. At first, it can be a chore. It can be a discipline. But shortly thereafter, it becomes a joy and an absolute necessity. I don't know about you, but sometimes if, if circumstances happen that we're away from church or something like that, I feel like, what's going on? I'm, I'm missing something. I feel dry. I feel like, God, I need, I, I got to connect with you again. I can't go too long before I feel this emptiness. God, I need to touch you. I need, I need to know where you are. I need to be with you. When the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing in on the boat, anybody who knows me knows your man loves to fish. That's for sure. I'll go out on Lake Vernon sometimes and go out when the, the wind is just, it's, it's not too bad, but sometimes the wind can kick up. And in my little tin boat, man, those waves can just come right in over the boat, right? So when the waves are coming in, you got to know the Lord. And when he says, peace, be still, the lake is like glass, like first thing in the morning when I go out to the lake and there's just, just that little dew coming off of the lake, off of the water, and it's like glass. The sun is coming up over the mountains. I'll stand on a dock. And I don't mean this figurative. I mean literally. I will stand on the dock and I would say, God, thank you. Thank you first for just bringing me to Muskoka. That anytime I want, I can come out here and see you. I can see you in your glory. I can see you in these moments of quietness. It's just me and you standing on the edge of a dock. And I can enjoy your presence. The Lord wants to know you. He wants to know you, and you can't worship him beyond what you know about him. We had a work day in, at, the, uh, at the Huntsville building a couple months back. Some of y'all might remember Pastor Kai inviting us, the men, to go up there. So I went up there, and when I got there, here's what the job was. We had to take these window panes from outside, up a flight of stairs, into the upper portion of the building, okay? So, the window panes, 
see with me here? The window panes are about this big across all the way down. All right? All this is the window. The window is heavy. All right? I'm just letting you know. The window is heavy. So they give us these tools, these things, and I'm going to affectionately call it a sucker thing because I don't even know what it's actually called. So I'm just going to call it a sucker thing. So here's the deal. Here's how it looks. It's a round thing, just like about this big. It's got a black sucker thing at the back. That's why I call it a sucker thing. And there's a handle right here, and there's a little pump right here. Right? So the idea is that you take, you take the sucker thing, you push it on the, to the window about, about that high, you hit the pump three or four times, it creates a suction, and that suction can hold the window. All right? So what you're supposed to do is get it on there, pump it, lift it up. All right, just picture the, the glasses here, here. One guy at the front, one guy at the back. You just hold the glass here so it doesn't tip over this way, and you walk with the window like this. From outside, up the stairs, put it upstairs. All right? I didn't do that at the beginning. Here's what I did. Sucker thing is on there. Pump it up. It's all good. Pick it up. Hand under the glass. And I walked with that glass like this. Does anybody know why I did that? Simple. I never used that sucker thing before. I don't know what that sucker thing is. They told me it's going to hold the glass, but I don't believe it's going to hold the glass. That's why I was holding it like this and breaking my back for half of the day, carrying it like this. But then something happened. I was looking around and I'm seeing all the other guys. Right? So by the end of the day, I realized something. That sucker thing could hold that glass just fine. Just fine. The Bible says, ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. By the end of the day, I could say, ascribe to the sucker thing glory. Ascribe to the sucker thing glory and strength. Why? Because by the end of the day, I had proved it. By the end of the day, I knew the sucker thing just fine. I knew that it could take the full weight of the glass and not slip and fall over. And then everybody's saying, Roger, you broke the glass. I knew the sucker thing could take the full weight of the glass because I proved it and I know it. And sometimes, consider this, sometimes in our Christian walk, in our faith, we walk around like this in our walk with him. We walk around like this. Why? We don't know him. We don't trust him. We fear, we worry. Why? Because we don't know him. We haven't proved him. 
we haven't proved his strength. God wants us to know him, to know him. You can't worship God beyond what you know about him. Intimacy, fellowship with God, it begins with a high view of God, a high view. How big is his bigness to you? Not to somebody else, to you. When you think about God, when you just start to think about who this God is that we serve, how great is his greatness to you? How majestic is his majesty? How powerful is his power to you? How holy is his holiness to you? How victorious are his victories to you? Praise, worship, glorifying, knowing God is a bathroom experience. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to know God for yourself. How mighty is his might? To you. I mean, these are all things that we, we hear all the time. And if we're not careful, it can just be, oh, God is powerful, God is mighty, God is victorious, He's holy and everything. Yeah. And we can lose the essence of what Scripture tries to communicate with us. How lovely is His love! How wonderful are His wonders! to you. How gracious is his grace. How glorious is his glory. As you consider these simple little questions, the way that you answer these questions, the way that you think about these things are going to be direct informers of your relationship with him. With even the kind of relationship you want to have with him. If God is absolutely amazing, if in your mind God is absolutely amazing, incredible, fantastic, wonderful, glorious, why wouldn't you want to pursue him? Why wouldn't you want to pursue somebody like that? How valuable is God to you? How desirable is God to you? Could it be that praising, worshiping, serving, glorifying God is a chore because he's just not worth pursuing? He's not that special? I don't know, only you can answer that question, but through our knowledge of him, it is possible that, is it possible that we can have no other desires? Hear me have no other desires than him, or at least that all other desires are secondary. Hmm. That there is nothing else that I truly want in this whole world, Lord, 
but you. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it with me now. I shall not want. Oh, that those aren't just words. But that would just, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hmm. Is it possible that I could be so content in knowing God that every distraction that every pull from this world that we live in, the media, everything that we see, would have absolutely no effect. Because what I want, what I want is Jesus. That's what I want. Is that possible? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Oh, that we could come to the place where we realize that if we have Christ, that we have everything that we need. Psalm 73 says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs or pains until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. And it goes on like that till verse 16. And it says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until, and I'm glad that God has for each and every one of us, even though we're imperfect, we fall, we fall short of his glory, he always has an until moment ready and waiting for us. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. What did David find in the sanctuary of God? What do you think? What did David find when he went to meet with God? I don't know everything, but I bet he found his presence. I bet David found his presence. I bet David found that thing that he forgot that he already had. David was reminded that in his presence there is fullness of joy. That in his presence we already have everything that we could ever need or want. And David's spirit was renewed in the presence of the Lord. What's the sum of life? We're born, we pursue a bunch of stuff we take care of business and then we die so then what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul for all those who are in Christ are a new creation behold it says behold it's like this is an amazing thing we are a new creation 
The desires of the flesh are pushed aside and the new man is reborn. And with new birth comes a renewed desire, a renewed appetite for the things of God and for who he is. Colossians 1. I love this verse. This is, in short order, has become one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Love that verse. Love that verse. Here's a picture of this verse. It's one of your little babies coming out of Sunday school on Mother's Day, and they come running out. Mommy, mommy, look what I made for you. Look what I made for you, mommy. Right? It's just a little painting, a little craft, whatever it is. And you take it, and you look at it, and you go, Oh, you made this for mommy? Oh, this is so wonderful. It's not perfect. It might be even just a, a perfect mess at best sometimes. But what do you do? You take it, and you celebrate it. That's what you do with it. And you say how wonderful it is. Right? But then you don't stop there. You take it home, and you put it on the fridge with your little fridge magnet. That's what you do. And you put it there for everybody to see how wonderful this thing is. Right? That's what you do with it. And this is the glory of the gospel. That in that little example, the child is Jesus. The mother is Jesus. He's both. He makes you. He forms you with his own hand. He breathes his breath of life into you. And though sometimes we can be pretty little messes ourselves, he loves us with an everlasting love. And he says, you are my own. I bought you. I purchased you with my own blood. You are my possession. God has the entire universe. That's another topic. I'm going to talk to us one day about that. He has the entire universe for his playground. And yet, we are his prized possession. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Isn't that a wonderful thought? That you are his prized possession? And he loves you with a love that knows no end and no bounds. Mm, that's good. When we understand that simple truth, I believe it's a truth that can absolutely change our lives. The book of Hosea in chapter 4 says this, Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love or knowledge of God in the land. And in verse 6 it says, My people 
are destroyed. The King James says, perish. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. Interesting. It's not because you have rejected me. It says because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being priests to me. And I would contend here that the word knowledge used here is not just information. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One understanding. So I, would, I could reread the first part of the first verse. It says this, there is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no understanding of God in the land. Hmm. God, was sent, God sent Hosea to Israel to warn them of their perpetual idol worship. And it's interesting here that where there is no faithfulness, where there is no steadfast love, where there's no knowledge of God, where there's no understanding of God, idol worship takes hold in all of its forms. Sila to that. You can't worship beyond what you know and understand about God. The whole point of God putting us here on this big rock called earth is to see that if through hell or high water, through the valley, through the mountain, through difficulty, through trial, through death, through adversity of diverse kinds, that if we will still pursue Him, if we still want Him, if we, He is still valuable to us. I know so many people that when the storms came and the winds start to blow, you can't find them anymore. They didn't just leave church, they left God. Do you know him? Do you want to know him more? Maybe some of you here might, to, might actually admit that you're really not pursuing him that much right now. Maybe you would say or admit that God, I love you just not that into you right now. <laughs> Guys, listen up. If God were a girl, you're not going to get the girl. You got to pursue him. You got to want him more than any other thing. You can desire other things, that's okay. I'm going to give you that. As long as your desire for other things are secondary. Harvest, I'm calling us to a higher place of praise. Both as just your brother in Christ and as an elder of the church. I'm calling us to know him. I'm calling us to want him to desire Him, to want to know Him, to have the sense to know that you've got to know Him. God, give me the sense to know that I need to know Him. So what do you do? Pray. 
pray because we can't serve God in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in us at all times, continually. We can't serve Him in our own strength. We can't love Him in our own strength. We can't know Him in our own strength. So pray. Pray. Get on your knees and pray. What do you got to do? Pray. Pray what? God, help me to love you more. God, help me. I want to know you more. God, help me to understand you. Help me when I open your word that I understand what it says. The word says that the Holy Spirit is the one that is going to reveal his word to us. God, help me to understand your word when I read it. We can't even serve God faithfully without the Holy Spirit working in us because sometimes we serve for the affections of others and not for the affections of the one we serve. Worship God, knowing God, is not something we do on the side. Worship God, knowing God, is not something we tack on to the end of our lives. It is the very purpose for which we were created. We were created for Him, by Him, for His pleasure, for His glory. It's not a side thing. It's not something that we do when we come here into the presence of God. It's who we are. It's what a Christian is, by definition. You were created for His glory, for Him. Oh, that we would have that desire for Him. Moses said in Exodus, in Exodus 33, in verses 7 to 11, it describes the tent of meeting. Moses would go into the tent, meet with God, talk with God, then he would leave. The next day, go into the tent, talk with God. I don't know what they talked about. Plans, how to get out of the land, plans, whatever it is, go back home. Talk, out, talk, out, back and forth, back and forth. And at one point Moses says, God, if I have found favor in your sight, I want to know you. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What are you saying, Moses? Are you telling me that it's not enough for you to go right into the presence of God? The scripture says that he talked to God like a friend talks to his brother. That's not enough for you? To go right into the presence of God and talk to him face to face? That's not enough for you, Moses? I want to know you, God. I want to know you, God, that I might find favor in your sight. It's not a wonder that people like Moses, Job, God, they used these people mightily because they knew who God was and had that desire, that overwhelming desire and passion to know him and his presence. Moses knew this one simple truth. No presence, no victory. No presence, no relationship. 
no presence, no communion. No presence, no intimacy. No presence, no fellowship. And I close with this. John, James 4.8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Isn't it time, church, isn't it time that you began to draw near to God? The picture is you take a step towards God, he takes a step. You take a step, he takes a step. You take a step, he takes a step. You take a step, he takes a step. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Here's my prayer for us in the new year. My prayer is that joy would rise in the house of the Lord. God's people should be the most joyful people on the face of this earth. I need to say that again. God's people should be the most joyful people on the faith of the earth. When we get together, there should be celebration in this house. There should be joy rising up in this house. For in his presence, there is fullness of joy. That adoration would rise from the hearts of God's people to such a degree that this place would be filled with his presence. And in his presence... Anything is possible. That like Mary, we would choose the better part. And we would have a desire to sit at the master's feet. And that week by week, when we come in here, we would come with our alabaster boxes full of the sweet, sweet ointment and fragrance of praise and worship. And that we would not even hesitate but to pour it out at the master's feet in sweet worship and adoration and that his presence that his presence would be so thick in this place that every sickness and bondage that holds the people of God would just fall off in the presence of the Almighty and that there would not be a single spectator in this house that every soul purchased by the blood of Christ would not just enter his gates and stay out in the outer courts, but would press right into the holy place where he waits for us. And that we as a people would know and love our God with an extravagant love. And that love would overflow into and for a love for one another. Amen? Amen.